Hello and welcome back to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined by my co-host, the Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church in Palmerston, North New Zealand, to um, discuss the TV series Lucky Hank. Uh, we're continuing with our occasional series on movies and TV reviews. We looked at um, Inside Man, wasn't it really, yep. the last one? And uh, Lucky Hank, which aired on AMC and in New Zealand on TVNZ. It's a show developed by Paul Lieberstein and Aaron Zyman, starring the wonderful Bob Odenkirk as Lucky Hank uh, and um, William Devereux Jr., isn't he? Mm. So, Rito, hi. Welcome back. It's good to be here again with you, Brent. Yeah, it's good. And we're using, a, in case it sounds a bit different, folks, we're using a, a wonderful Blue Yeti mic. Uh, and I think it's going to make Rito sound even better than he normally does. So, um you're looking very resplendent in your red jumper today. I've well, got, thank you. A few people have commented on my red it's jumper. It's very smart. Now, um, you put me onto this, Rito, Lucky Hank. What's it all about, the show? So, Lucky Hank, it's about Hank, who is Bob, o- Bob Odenkirk, who is an English professor. He's, a, he's an author, but he's an English professor. And it's kind of about – he's the head of the school, of the English school at this kind of – Middle of the road kind of university, but it's about Rail Town, isn't yeah. it called Rail Town? Yeah, something like something that. Like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just about kind of him, his his marriage, his kind of getting on at, at work, but particularly his relationship with his father, who doesn't pop up until right at the end of the show. And it's quite interesting, you know, kind of, but him dealing with his dad having left him when he was a teenager and and never communicated with him and so it's quite a it's an interesting story it's kind of got a few different themes running through it but he did communicate with his mother and that's a bone of contention that we sorry that spoiler alert spoiler alert we must try and avoid spoiler alerts with this but it's a bit difficult to talk about the show because it's so through if it, if it was a musical piece i call it through composed but through written um why on earth is he lucky, Rito? I mean, he he spends most of the show feeling very unlucky and confronting a sort of midlife crisis, doesn't he? Yeah, because isn't it, right at the beginning? I think towards the end of the show, someone his wife asks him, "What percentage of happiness? Oh, yes. are you? Yes, and you know, kind of uh, one of the other characters says that she's what ninety eight percent or something. You know, something really high, something's really great happened for her. But at both points, he says he's at twenty percent, and everyone's kind of shocked because like. At twenty percent, you know, you're thinking about, you know, why am I existing? Yeah, kind of. Um, but then someone else kind of comments to him that he's got everything. He's got a, a, a good job. He's reasonably well respected uh, in his profession. He's well, sort of. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Um, he, you know, he's got a. I think his marriage is pretty good. You know, there, there's a lot of honesty in the marriage. Sure. Um, although there's kind of a lot of talk about divorce in the marriage. I, I think there's a lot of honesty and discussion going on. And he's got a, a, a lovely daughter and, you know, kind of that things seem to be good. Yeah, I, I think the 20% bit comes in at the faculty dinner party, mm. which turns out to be a total disaster. I, I that was the most – I found it very difficult to get through that episode. I think that was like episode five or six and – I found it really tricky. It took me ages to get through that one because it was so awkward. It is. It is brilliantly written. I mean, um, I haven't made a note of the screenwriters, and I, I should have done, but it is absolutely brilliantly written and a phenomenal cast. When does he When does he come to realise that he is fortunate, do you it's, think? It's not until right at the end, is it? You know, kind of his wife gets a job uh, in New York and, and she heads off there. He says he'll come and visit on the weekends. And so his marriage is kind of falling apart at that point. There's kind of a, 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 
an unspoken separation is probably the best way to put it. Uh, and then I think he, he realizes then that how good he actually has it. And particularly, I think how his relationship with his wife is actually a, a, a quite a positive kind of thing. But, but the thing is, right at the end, the reverse is not necessarily true. No, that's what I wondered too. We have to add this is only series one, and hopefully mm. there'll be a series two. But you get the feeling at the end, spoiler alert again, that it might just be too late. Yeah. But is it too late? I think the writers brilliantly leave the that question open. Yeah, that he's happy to be there, but she's not so happy that he's there with her in New York. Yeah. Yeah, because she very much sees New York as a... a a freedom as as a break away from. I mean, he is a difficult character, isn't he? He's but he'd be difficult to live with. He's, it's not that he's hard to like, but he's like he's kind of who is he? You know, you ask a I question. I think it's the like, jokes that really are part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, and he's quite cynical, right? As mm, well. Mm. Yeah, I think it's the cynicism and the jokes. But he's a nice guy, really, Hank, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's hard to like, but you don't not like him either. Like he's one of those characters where you just like. I, I don't know where to put you in the box. You know, you're, kind of, you're not a hero. You're not an anti-hero. You're just kind of in the middle there. Well, occasionally he can be very heroic. I mean, he's heroic at the end when he saves his department and, and saves the people from being fired. Yeah, this is, is that weird <clears throat> moment where he pretends to box the goose. And, <laughs> yes, um, yes, that's right. You know, and yeah, yeah. kind of puts himself out there to save them. And then he does it again, you know, and it uncovers uh, kind of some corruption as well in the, in the university and, you know, kind of... Is this understated hero? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think he's hid, <laughs> hidden depths, hidden depths. Mm. So, um, who is Bob Odenkirk? Do we know a bit about his background? I haven't written anything down. You know, oh, yeah, you well, know more about him than I do. Yeah, well, he was. Uh, I think he, was, he started off as a comedian, and then he was. He's been in lots of good things recently. He was in Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul, and, and a few other things. And um, yeah, he's kind of the. It's odd. He's kind of become the flavor of the of the month in. in in kind of those dramas, uh, but kind of quirky kind of dramas, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're still a bit, bit funny. But it's, you know, it's, he's a middle-aged guy, you know, kind of you think, why would he, you know, kind of be a star of all of these shows? But, you know, he, he has become one of these he's stars. He's a, de- a deft hand at uh, black comedy, that's for sure. Mm. Let's have a look at the rest of the cast. I hope I pronounced this lady wonderfully or well. Murray Enos, I think it is, isn't it, as Lily, Hank's, Hank's wife. Cedric Yarborough as Paul Rourke. Uh, Dietrich Bader as Tony Canigula, a play no doubt on Caligula. He's the very unethical philosopher. Yes. I thought extremely unethical philosopher, yes. really. Olivia Scott Welsh as Julie Devereaux. Suzanne Cryer as Grace. Oh, poor old Gracie. She's lovely, isn't she? Gracie yes. the poet. And wonderfully played. Uh, and Sarah Amini as Meg Quigley. She's the bar manager and adjunct. And yeah, the, Hank is described as a black comedy drama. I wonder in what sense is it a black comedy, and in what sense is it a comedy drama? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what's the definition of a black comedy? Usually, there's death in it, isn't there? Well, I think of black comedy. You mentioned black. I think of that movie, The Lady Killers, with mm. Adam Guinness and Peter Sellers, going yeah. back to the fifties, which was an early form of black comedy. Mm. It came. It's a sort of genre that came became popular in the fifties, mm. and you had um, various European playwrights like Frederick Durenmatt. Who wrote black comedy? It's it's funny, but it's so dark. Mm. Yeah, well, it, it is dark, right? It's kind of because it's exploring separation and difficulty at work, and even some of the frustration that older people are finding with the younger generation. Because there is that that's kind of a theme that runs through it a little bit. With you've got these older professors teaching younger students. Not that that's a huge part of the story, but there, there is some frustration there too. 
What will is, I hesitate to use this word woke. Um, I don't like the word, but um, we could use it politically correct, correctness or whatever term you want to use. But he is, he's very much, I've, I've got in the sense, I, I think he's a bit of a dinosaur, isn't he really, in, in an age of woke. But he, he does stand up for truth and standards, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's not, you know, kind of out there with a baton, you know, trying to bashing the young people's heads, you know, kind of saying, no, you you can't believe this stuff. He's just kind of getting on with life and just trying to be real in some ways. I don't, I don't know how you describe it. I think he's become very cynical mm. about uh, academia and he's, I think he just treats the stuff, he works around it. Yeah. I think he's a, a brilliant worker around it of difficult situations. Mm. No matter what they throw at him, he kind of, he's a combination of blasé and, and a certain cunning. Perhaps that's the wrong word, but. Yeah. Well, that leads on to my to my next question, really. Do you think Hank is a good head of department? Well... We should add he's an English professor. Did we say that? Yes. Yes, right. It, it, it's interesting because there was a similar uh, show released last year, I think it was, on Netflix called The Chair with Sandra Oh, which did really de- deal with the kind of the woke stuff and kind of... And it's a similar idea around uh, an English professor. Uh, this is quite different to that, though, but it's interesting that they're both the heads of their department uh, kind of working through some issues. I think anyone in that position, it's an impossible position. You have the university management on one side and then you have your your department on the other side and you stand in the middle and you're just kind of torn between both ends. And I just think that anyone in that position is just, you would never stick your hand up for that. It's kind of the last position you would want. I, th- I think Hank's got a bit beyond it, hasn't he? I don't think he cares anymore, really. No, he doesn't <laughs> he's just, really care. He's got completely yeah. cynical. Yeah. Uh, and his relationships with his bosses are very, very funny, really. Can I come on to the question of Hank's writing? Because he's um, he's been a published author. He's written one novel, and we should add his dad as a famous novelist, isn't he? And he's got a colleague who has gone on and had a, uh, a long writing career, and I think there's there's a bit of sort of... Uh, they invite this colleague to the, the the university, and Hank has to front the the panel discussion, doesn't he? There's a bit of what jealousy. There's a bit of mm. rivalry. There's a bit of yeah. unspoken angst that gets that, that gets spoken during the visit, isn't there? I think I think I wonder I wonder if it's kind of you've had what I wanted, but interestingly, that character turns it back on Hank and says, "You chose a different path, and that's okay." Well, Hank very much it says to Lily at one point, uh, she says, well, why don't you write your second novel? He said, well, look, I've had to bring up our daughter. I've had I've our marriage, my mother. He's, he's a family man, isn't he? He puts his family first, I think. Yeah, that, that's the thing that this character brings up and saying, no, you chose you chose family. That That's good. You know, that's mm. and that's a really good thing that I didn't choose that. I couldn't have had that. And I've chosen my writing over everything else. What you've chosen is good and fine uh, and... In some ways, I'm jealous of what you have, you know, kind mm. of in that, yeah. I think at some point the other guy says to him uh, that he actually thinks he's a better writer, that Hank's a better writer than he is, and he couldn't see any reason why he shouldn't have gone on and published more. But he would have had to sacrifice... Yes, the family. The family, mm. and that, that's his point, isn't it? That you have to... Sac- if you want to be great at something, you have to sacrifice everything else for that, that kind of thing. And you, you see that in so many people, that if you want to pursue excellence... You actually have to sacrifice the people around you to do that, whether that's in athletics or uh, literature or whatever it is. Music, you have to do the same thing. Uh, And even though Hank probably doesn't see the the good things that that come out of not sacrificing, actually sacrificing yourself for your family and sacrificing 
uh, your writing career for your family is actually a good. Yeah, it's just kind of, I think it's interesting that he, he kind of can't, can't see that that's the choice that he made. Mm, yes. We've mentioned this already, but um, so much of the first series is taken up with Hank's preoccupation with his father. What's, what's been the problem there, do you think? Well, his dad left. <laughs> you know, well, that's of, one of them, yeah. You know, when he was a teenager and, and just didn't communicate at all. And then most of the way through the series, so his dad is a famous author. And so there's kind of some jealousy there. I think as well. And He's also a famous academic, isn't he? Yes. Or a very well-known academic. Well-known academic, mm. uh, and people because he he's named after his father as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so he hates his dad. You know, kind of he's pretty openly, you know, kind of saying that, and you know he doesn't want to speak to him, doesn't want to have anything to do with him because his dad hasn't had wanted anything to do with him. And and the relationship with the father, do you, is it ever resolved for Hank in the first series? No, because his dad comes back, <laughs> moves back in with his mother. Uh, and but it turns out he's got dementia or Alzheimer's something, and that's a very mm. uh, that was a shocking, very very poignant moment mm. when Hank goes. To, sorry, spoiler alert again, folks. But when Hank goes to that meeting with his mum and dad, and he realizes his father isn't there anymore, so whatever it is he wanted to resolve is it, it's gone. And he says that mm. afterwards, doesn't mm. he? You know, kind of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm all sprung up and I can't resolve this tension, you know, kind of this, all the, I've got all of this anger, I've got no outlet for it. Uh, I just want to, you know, just yell at my dad, but I can't do that. No, and in fact, the um, we won't tell you what happens, but his father, who he's put on a pedestal all these years, actually turns out to be a bit of a fraud, doesn't he, at yes, the end? Yes, but I think that's interesting because it shows the pressure that academics are under. Yes. And I, th- I think that that was quite an interesting thing. That And you kind of feel for the guy a little bit. Um, so he makes up uh, a story, basically, about where he was at a certain point of time in the 60s to help his kind of career. And it was it's towards the end of his career anyway, but it, was, it, it's, it relates to him publishing some papers. And it, it, the thing that comes out, though, is the pressure that academics are under to produce... Uh, articles and respected kind of in respected publications and things like that, Man, it, it it doesn't lead to good things, I, I don't think. No, I think that's one of the great themes of the series. Um, but before we come on to talk about the uh, writer's, the series' attitude towards academia, uh, what's Hank's health problem, by the way? I don't, I did, don't did, know. Did you, I mean... Yeah, it, it just runs right through it, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought it could have been prostate cancer. Mm, possibly, um, because it's never resolved and it's just brought up every so often and mm. presumably it's a theme that's going to get explored in the next series if there is one, which I hope there is. What do you make of the children? His, his, his children. Daughter. His daughter and the, and the son-in-law. Uh, it's an odd relationship, you know, kind of, isn't it? And I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is uh, an American thing, but the son-in-law calls um, him dad yes. and his wife mum, but in a very not like... Like it was a very, you know, familiar way. Like it was kind of like a "you are my son" or "my you are my dad." You know, kind of the way that he spoke about it. it was, I found that a little odd. Yes, I can't remember the situation behind the uh, the son-in-law, but he's a bit hopeless, isn't he? Really, but <laughs> it's this conversation between him and uh, the bar manager, who's also an adjunct professor. Yes, yes, oh, he where, gets where, himself in trouble with it. Yes. Where he's saying just things that are just silly, but then. <laughs> Dropped in on that of kind of like pearls of insight yes. at the same time. There's this kind of weird thing going on where he's just he's just talking and talking and talking, and most of it's just rubbish. But but yeah, you know, all of a sudden there'll be one sentence which is like 
really brilliant insight into the situation. Mm-hmm. He's beautifully written. As as I mean, we have to say all these characters are. How would you describe them? Quirky and dysfunctional. Yes. Two, yes. Yep. So if you like quirky, dysfunctional characters and black comedy and oddball writing, uh, when I say oddball writing, that's not meant to be disrespectful to the writers who've done a brilliant job. Did, did you think any of the characters were particularly likeable, though? Oh, I was going to ask you whether you thought the characters were believable. No, I didn't like any of them. I mean, the only, when I say like, there were aspects of some of them. I mean, I quite like the poet lady. She had. She, she has, was the most annoying of it, no, well, anyway. Well, no, but no, but she has. She had a love of English. She yeah, has a love yeah. of poetry. And even though I think she's she takes it too far, there is a love of what she's doing there. She is she is she is one of the few characters in the series who's still, I think, motivated to a degree by a love for the word form. And I love the story she tells about her dad, how her dad when she'd written a poem, her dad would get her to come and sit down next to him and she could recite mm. the poem. To the family. I just thought was, she, that she was self-serving. Oh, she, oh, that, they, that all was they, they all are. They yeah. all are to a degree. Yeah. But I think the only character I had any kind of sympathy for was Hank. And okay. I like Lily as well. I yeah. like his wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the next question, is the series cynical about academia? Well, not half. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's probably, it's a poignant moment for that, isn't it? And you kind of... I think many people are cynical about academia. It's just kind of, it explores that a little bit, not not hugely. But Hank just has no time for that, you know, kind of finding prestige in, in academia. I think he's over that, right? I think he's over that. And I think his teaching has become – do you think his teaching has teaching's definitely got tired? Mm. Although he does fire up a bit towards the end. Mm. He, he realises what he's got and he actually he actually does get his act together. But his treatment – what do you think about the treatment of the young guy at the, in the first episode well, he, where he completely <laughs> demolishes – him in class. I thought it was pretty brutal. It was. It wasn't like it was undeserved, but it was still, it was, <laughs> it was, it was deserved. <laughs> but it was it was brutal and probably yeah, unnecessarily so. Yeah, and yeah, you know, that's that kind of that theme also runs the whole way through, right? From beginning mm-hmm. to end. Although there's a little bit of redemption at the end there, right? In terms of He, he makes up he makes up with and reconciles with the young guy, doesn't yeah. he? And actually gives him an does he give him an A? Yeah. He gives him an A and says something. I can't remember exactly what he says, but he, he says he, most he, of it's rubbish. Yeah, but the best bits in it are worth an A. So you, the, yeah. the young guy writes a story, yeah. and um, said, "Did you read it all? No. These four lines. That's right. It's four lines. Like it's on the first page, right? <laughs> These four lines are brilliant. No one, not many people, can do what you've done here. Work on this. And, yes, and it was, it's a very nice moment. Yeah. Kind of, but and then the guy asks, "Did you read it? No. No." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, he's absolutely ruthless to this poor kid, isn't he? And and to be fair, the young guy has, to a degree, I think, d- complete delusions of yeah, grandeur. Yeah. Yes, yes. How does Hank deal with the redundancies threatening his department? Because that's a strange trajectory all of its own, isn't it? Well, it's funny because that, you know that's the kind of conversations that are happening in New Zealand u- universities at the moment. I'm sure it's happening in universities elsewhere too. That re- redundancies are kind of uh, uh, elsewhere. What he does, he has this kind of funny thing. He just he chooses not to go to battle with the for the with the university or for the people. Um, That's initially, and then he does. Yeah, yeah, and so he refuses to because they want to want him to make a list. Oh yes, the and list. Then he making. battles through that. Yeah, he refu- and refuses to yeah. do it, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, he won't make a list. He won't. He's a, de- a decent guy in that respect. Yeah, he won't do any of his colleagues and. Even though they try, they, they try to with him, but he won't, and and in the end he just goes full full blown full out on it, doesn't he? And he mm. attacks the corruption behind it when he finds out what's going on. Nearly out of time, Rito. Gosh, we've um we've been we've 
we've covered a lot in a short space of time. What do you think the series has to say about the relevance of writing and poetry in the 21st century? Because I think that's an underlying theme too. Mm, isn't that's it? a good question, isn't it? Especially when it's presented in a, in a TV you know, kind of form as, as well. All these slightly nutty English professors, yes. Yeah, I think I, I don't think it. It doesn't speak negatively. I, I wouldn't think of of writing and, but at the same time, it. I think it attacks academia rather than literature. Mm. That academia is, um, at least in the series, it's kind of seen as a. These people are quite petty, you know, kind of in their, you know, the, wanting to to step up in the world and, and wanting to make a name for themselves. But at the same time, I think they they do have a love for what they do. And it, because it is important and they want to transfer that knowledge and that information to, to uh, students who they want to find, you know, kind of foster that love as well. I think um, you said to me before we recorded this a few weeks back, we were talking about Lucky Hank, you said um, you thought that the central point of the whole thing was mediocrity. Mm. Can you enlarge on that? Well, that's the very first thing that pops up, right? Oh, yes, it is, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Yeah, is that you're a mediocre student, I'm a mediocre teacher, we're at a mediocre university. Yeah, and I wonder if that's a theme that does run through the whole thing is acceptance of mediocrity in some sense of that excelling at everything is doesn't actually bring the happiness that we want because everyone that has excelled in in the story isn't actually happy. They're not actually doing well, but it's actually those people, those kind of mediocre characters who are just getting on with life. They're the ones actually kind of who have found family and, and relationships. And yet Hank, ironically, um, isn't mediocre, either as a writer or really as a teacher. I mean, I, th- I think he, he's working well below his potential, but that's simply because of the, the, the ditch he's got himself into. Mm. What, do you, what do you make of that? Yeah, I think that, that's an interesting one, is that kind of struggling with purpose, isn't it? Yeah, kind of, which I think many people are probably struggling with at the moment is what, you know, if, if it's not this form of excellence that I'm going to reach or it's not the status through my through my career, then where do I find my meaning and purpose? And often we find that too late, that it is in relationships and communities. Mm. Yes, Lucky Hank. Thank you, Rito. Lucky Hank, which aired on AMC and uh, in New Zealand on TVNZ, and you can probably find it all over the place, uh, developed by Paul Lieberstein and Aaron Zyman. Starring Bob Odenkirk as Lucky Hank, and um, there we are. That's our that's our discussion of it. Uh, overall, you enjoyed? Yeah, yeah. It was you know an easy watch. Yeah, it was... I, I thought it was delightful. Uh, really quirky and unusual, and, and I didn't quite know what to expect next. Mm, yep. Um, so I, I hope there's a second series, and I'm not quite sure where the where the writers will take the second series, but they've left lots of things hanging in the air for us to um yep. to, to be thinking about in the meantime. It'll make you think. It's 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 a good watch. Lucky Hank, and thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Rito, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.